hard to keep up with people anyway. There's a number in my bio. I have a Google Voice number in my bio. So you can text me. So I already have like rapport built with people. Because I know a lot of people in my audience, they're looking for things to come to. They're looking to come meet me in person. They're looking to come play their music, perform, talk about music, what have you. So I'll reach out, be personable, speak to them like, hey, we can come chop it up here. Or hey, you can come out here. And I'll mention a lot of things that attract people when I reach out. This is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. This podcast was created to eliminate the starving artists, to give creatives the codes, to build audiences, cash flow, make a living doing what they love. And on tonight's episode, I have community developer, Teacup. This up, that's me. The bulk of this conversation is gonna be about like building an audience, building a community. But I wanna start by asking you, how would you describe yourself in one sentence for people who don't know you? Okay, so for those that don't know me, I am a lover girl. I love my friends. I love having fun. I like doing new things. I like traveling. Yeah, I like being adventurous and I love my people. And how would you describe yourself in one word? How do you say that word? Enigma? How do you say that? Oh, and the, yeah, enigma. Okay, enigma, cool. Okay, bet. So when do you think. Because you've been doing this for a while, and we'll get into that. But when do you think you had your first creative breakthrough? My first creative breakthrough was, I guess, when a lot of people may be familiar, but I used to have a nonprofit. And my creative breakthrough was, like, doing Juneteenth events. Because it's, like, really, it really brought out so many different people for a good cause. Like, body painters and dancers. A whole bunch of different, like, creatives. Okay, cool. So, so that's two years ago, the first one? My first one ever was like 2015. Oh, fire. Okay. Let's dive into that. What got you started in doing events, which has led to you building what you've been building? Okay. So with doing events, like I said, I just love my friends. I love having fun. I like being all WW fellowshipping, all that type of stuff. And it was just like things happening. And I'm just like, okay, why don't we come together to turn up? We come together to do all this other stuff. Why don't we come together for something progressive? So when it got to building community, I guess I started doing, I built up Spill the Tea, still using that same community formula. But it's like more so, yeah, it's feeling, it's really about feeling included, having a good time. It's not the transaction, transactional type networking thing. We really here trying to F with each other, you know what I'm saying? And build together, grow together and have fun. Do what we do best. What was the catalyst for that? Like before Spill the Tea, right? You were doing these events. So what happened that made you start that? What was the thing? So more artists, I would say we're coming and we're like, we need more events like this. So shout out to Artists Bar and Gallery because I was doing like my nonprofit events and stuff there. And they were just like, oh, we like, it was like, we want more turnip events. We want more people buying drinks, stuff like that or whatever. So I really just started doing more events at Artisans, bringing artists together. I wasn't charging like artists or vendors or nobody. That's really how I built my community because I guess I built trust with them since I wasn't coming off, oh, it was just about money, just pay to play, stuff like that. Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's like similar stories between us a little bit because when I moved to Atlanta in the beginning, I had a series called Blockumentary and I was featuring creative people that I thought were like really doing their thing and that kind of built trust because people started to post that content and talk about 
what I was doing. Okay, so now give me from that point of creating the events to now spill the tea, like you started to build a community IRL, like in real life. So people trusted you there, but how did you carry that over to the internet? So basically I was already doing like radio in college. So I do be leaving that part out. So when I started getting into events, I would just interview the winner or do, I would do interviews at the events. Like I would ask random questions, all these type of things. So then when you go later and you post the content, everybody's sharing it. Everyone that really built like that physical community and it built the digital community at the same time. They'll be wanting to be featured in the content or they'll be trying to ask questions and stuff like that. But you had to come to the event. I'm with you on that for sure. That's a great strategy to do too. Cause it was just like, it sounds like it was natural kind of like word of mouth. It was just yeah. progression. Like I have to, everything's online. So I have to move it in that to that direction. Help me understand what you failed at as you built Spill the Tea. Ooh, I would say really trusting myself for real. Cause a lot of people will be in your ears saying things. And yeah, you really gotta stick with your vision. It's okay to, I guess, receive criticism. Like that's good. You're doing it for the people. You obviously do care about what they think, but at the same time, you gotta know what you want for yourself too. Cause people will, whoo, you can get too caught up in what others think. I think that's the thing with like entertainment, anything entertainment or like social media involving social. So what? Can you give me like specifics on what you struggled with at that time? Like you said, believing in yourself, but what was some of the feedback or some of the opinions that you were like, no, this isn't what I need to be focused on? I would say like just anything people have something to say about your brand and the way you do things. You know what I'm saying? But if people weren't understanding, hey, I'm working with the money that I got, working with the resources that I got, that might have been, been the bigger issue. Like finding the resources, finding the funds, or understanding how to use what I have and how to put it together. And I feel like that's what a lot of creatives may struggle with you know what i'm saying like when you really don't have the funds but i guess that's the good thing about having like human capital or networking you know what i'm saying because people will see your vision or they'll understand it. or sometimes their vision may align with yours and in that way they could be of a resource that way people may want to contribute funds if they see your vision no that's great because i was gonna say i think you've done that really well and i think what i've seen with working with other people. If I make a vision big enough that other people's vision can thrive inside of that, then it's not hard to like, it's not easy, but it's also not hard to like, get the help that you need to make things go. Yeah. So would you recommend that if somebody wants to build a community that they do IRL events? I definitely would recommend doing in real life events. So it all depends. I would say it definitely all depends. Now, doing in real life events, you get real time data. So I do like that. And you get to see who would physically show up. Now it is good that you can have digital events. You know what I'm saying? I would say both. Because sometimes doing in real life events, that can cost a lot of money. You see what I'm saying? But the thing is, the benefit about doing in real life events is awareness and people can more so get like a feel or a direct experience of what you have to offer versus like digital, digital a lot of things can be altered modified 
things like that. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Can you give me like three strategies that you use when you create events, like whether that's in real life or online, like how do you approach that marketing or how do you approach that promotion? So I approach it by understanding what my audience wants. Like I understand what's going to make them engage. So I understand, okay, maybe I need to do some animated content. Maybe I need to talk myself a little bit because people do like the, the personable experience too. Another strategy with my approach is to have attractive visuals, period attractive flyers, attractive videos, and make sure all your wording and everything is clear so that people can understand what they should be attending or what they're going to be a part of. I would say the third strategy is just make sure I personally reach out to people because I know that just makes it feel more like you want them to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like you really care about them being there and it's less transactional instead of just sending out a newsletter that is very good. But when you are the more social brand, especially because I know a lot of people are going for being either social influencers or they're getting into things that require entertainment too and if, if you're a smaller brand then being more personable that makes more people just want to come get more excited for you things like that no those are great points and i wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that you said some things that i want to touch on that i think are really important so like you said attractive visuals so can you give us like practical tips on what attractive visuals are so making sure your visual is clear. Don't have too many words, but have the right words. Because a lot of people these days don't even look at flyers. You got to make sure you have the most important information on there, like location, time, things like that. Attractive visuals. On the flyer, give us like a feel of what we're going to expect. You know what I'm saying? So if it's a planned event, we're coming to something like that. Okay, have us in a nice room with nice plants things like that. If it's more so a social event, people like bottles or a nice ambiance on the flyer and things like that. And there's like a lot of apps to make flyers too. Should I give that? Of course, Canva. So a lot of people know about Canva. Pretty much there's a free version where you can plug and place things in. You can also use Pro Knockout. So if you want to make like an individual flyer, let's say I want to put me and you on the flyer. I can put us in Pro Knockout, take out our background and put us on a flyer. What else? InShot is good for making videos. So making short form content, putting words over it. And then a lot of new apps you find, just play around with them. When you play around with them and get creative, then you'll pretty much understand how to use them or how to make them fit your idea or your vision. No, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. But the other thing I wanted to dive a little bit deeper on is you said reaching out to people individually. You're like, yeah, newsletters work and you can send out newsletters. I get yours. I see it all the time. How does that one-on-one -on -one conversation work? Like, how do you reach out to people? How do you get their phone numbers to do that? Do you message people one by one? What does that look like? I guess what it looks like for me, I'm a very personable person. So I already keep up with people anyway. Like people, there's a number in my bio. I have a Google voice number in my bio. So you can text me. So I already have like rapport built with people. But I just hit them up. Hey, because I know a lot of people in my, again, in my audience, they're looking for things to come to. They're looking for, they're looking to come meet me in person. They're looking to come play their music, perform, talk about music, what have you. So I reach out, be personal, speak to them like, hey, we can come chop it up here. Or hey, you come out here. And I'll mention a lot of things that attract people when I reach out. So I know a lot of people like hookah and 
my crowd is Italy. We don't care about sections. So where I say, hey, it's free entry. You can come get hookah, and there's no sections. Pull up. No, that's really good because you know the audience mm -hmm. and you know what they like, and so you're already gonna speak that language to them. And that language is just simply what you just said about what attracts people that come to the event. But what I wanna know now is like, how do you make money doing this? If somebody wants to do this, how do they make money doing this? You can charge at the door, obviously. People do sell like vending tables, things like that. People do sell like sponsorship slots. So if you have like maybe some things that you can offer at the event, like for, okay, this will come with a section and it'll come with your logo on the flyer. It'll come with it on the TVs or something like that. You can sell sponsorship packages. And then you can also promo things. You can also get physical sponsors. So let's say a company may pay you, may pay you like, okay, $3,000 and say, hey, we want to advertise our liquor here. We'll give you some free liquor, things like that. Sometimes they may not pay you. And you could just get you could just get a free item, but that still makes like the guest experience just better and stuff like that. I would say for me specifically, with me doing events and people understanding that I know how to reach people, brands will hire me for influencer campaigns. So a lot of how I make funds is company will be like, "Hey, I know you have these amount of people that go to your events. Oh, I know you have this amount of followers. I know you have this newsletter that people open and read and stuff like that." Pretty much that's how you'll become an influencer of some sort. Promoters are influencers. So when you're able to attract people, that does equal dollars. That's called human capital. I love human capital. And you're talking, now you're talking about brand sponsorships. One thing I wanted to ask too that I didn't hear you mention was, do you do tier packages? Is there like VIP standard? What does that look like? Yeah, like gold, platinum, things like that. So pretty much doing tier packages, you could start at a basic, simple level. Maybe this person would want just a vending table. This is what it'll include. Okay, if you're going directly to like sponsors, okay, tier one, this is logo on a flyer. Tier two, you add a couple more things. Like you add, I may add a commercial in one of the packages. So the different packages will be just different things that I'm offering that are specific to the event. So if I do plan on getting a backdrop, a step and repeat, so people want to put like their logos and things on there. So that'll be offered in one of the tiers. So if you definitely look it up. You'll be able to see if you want to look up like a sponsorship package, it'll show like the different tiers and the different things you can offer. But of course that comes once you build your audience and once people are like, Hey, she has a good following and people will actually attend her events. And I want to get more awareness for my product or I want to partner. So that's where the packages, that's when you'll make the packages. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted you to break that down so people can understand because I think a big thing that I've noticed a lot with my audience is people are like, how do I get brand sponsorships? Mm -hmm. How do I pitch to brands? And okay. that's stuff that I'm usually like teaching people. I actually have a video mm -hmm. on YouTube. I break the whole thing down if you want to watch it, the links in my bio. I wanted to ask you in regards to capturing that audience. So how are you capturing your audience from these events? And how are you capturing your audience online to have a database of people to reach out to? At events, when I do events, I usually do event bright links. So you collect emails and some platforms, I know like Dice is a good one, Splash is a good one. You collect phone numbers too. So when people RSVP for your events, I do a lot of free events. So that's why I have like over... 
2,000 contacts of Atlanta people. So pretty much when you collect data after an event, you use that data and you create a newsletter or you create a text blast and that's how you reach people. And it's good to reach people like that because Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that and TikTok, these platforms don't belong to us so they can all get taken away anytime. So you can do newsletters through like MailChimp. You can do them through your websites. It's a lot of platforms where you can do like newsletters and stuff. And how do I get them digitally? I would say digitally, I am always doing a call of action. So I'm always saying something or doing something. I'm like, hey, you can text my number. So I have a Google voice number. It also protects me from giving out my personal information or my real phone number. Because people don't know. With your real phone number, you can log into people's account. So yeah i have a google voice number and anybody can text me pretty much we can build like that rapport like offline or i answer dms because i understand like a lot of my people they're at the level where they're looking for that type of help directly so that's pretty much how i get like the data from like in real life events yeah that is fire you mentioned a number of tools and i could add to those but what you mentioned is very inexpensive so I want people to understand to do email marketing to like a thousand people, it might cost you like $20 a month. And also she's using text message marketing through Google voice. So she's not paying anything for that. So there's multiple ways that you can use this in your own business. And for T it's, yo, I'm doing this for events. But if you're like an artist, you could be blasting people with information about your latest piece or your latest song or whatever the latest thing you're doing, but also providing people with value around whatever it is that you do because people want the value more than they want just you in their face all the time, I guess. And so that's what she's been able to do with these events, but also creating this community. And it's been incredible to just see what you've been able to do through YouTube, what you've been able to do through Instagram, what you've been able to do in real life. Like the whole spectrum of things that you've been doing has been really interesting to watch you incrementally grow. And then also us connecting through mutual people and through blockumentary and those things. It's just, once again, it shows me that there are people in Atlanta that are interested in helping. And I think that is the, and we could go into a whole nother conversation about this, but I think that is like the greatest asset that Atlanta has that mm -hmm. I think not enough people utilize. I think a lot of people say, oh, Atlanta's full of scammers. And there are a lot of scammers, but I think there are a lot of people here too that like genuinely want to build. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, that genuinely want to help other creatives too. So I feel like me and you do that in a sense. But before we bounce, I want you to tell mm -hmm. people how they can connect with you everywhere. Teacup is my Instagram. You can drop one of the P's for Twitter. Spill the TTV as well. I am on TikTok there. I am on IG. I am on Twitter. And you can text me directly, 770-765-6422. So putting it down here. Fire. Okay. You're usually interviewing people. So do you have any questions for me. What's the largest like brand deal that you've ever secured? Okay, yeah. The two, the top two, one was I think two or three thousand, and that was for me. And that was a couple years back, but then the biggest one was ten thousand. So that okay, was for wow. 
Yeah, that was How long did it take you to work on the 10,000 one? It probably took three months. I built the deck and shout out to a bunch of people who have said this, but like decks get you checks. The deck probably took me like three days or a week, something like that. And then when we actually got the meeting, I'm counting from the time that the meeting, the first meeting happened to when the deal was closed. So it probably mm -hmm. took about three months. I think we had the meeting like November and I think the deal closed like early February, late January. Who did you reach out to and did you have to like kind of court them in a sense? Well, no, not really court them, but so my client is Black in the Garden. So I'll show you. So she has a podcast. Doesn't she have a podcast too? Yeah, she has a podcast. It's the Black Experience in the Garden, basically. And so we reached out to people via LinkedIn and because she's already in that niche of like horticulture, we just targeted and when I say we targeted, she made a list of marketing directors for botanical gardens. And then I basically sent, I reached out to them individually. Like I probably reached out to 30 of them and we got maybe five, maybe we got five meetings out of 30, which is good. It's like 12%. If you send a hundred messages and you get one or two, you should be happy. So we got five and then the one that we closed, they did a sponsorship with her for her podcast. And then they put That's this coloring fun. book because we made this product for her too that has been going crazy. They put that in the gift shop as well. That's hard. So, That's hard. And to add on to that though, another way to approach, I guess like sponsorships and things like that. I got a Nivasa sponsorship one time. I just saw that they were at an event and I said, hey, who should I talk to? things like that and they gave me a direct contact it's just like networking the more hands you shake the more money you make basically put yourself out there and don't be afraid mm -hmm. because a lot of these brands want they have to spend the money exactly like, they have to spend the money it, it goes to waste if it doesn't get spent mm -hmm. yeah but you gotta have a brand like you said you gotta have a community yep. and you gotta have a brand that has been built that looks cohesive that has similar content like on a consistent basis like that kind of stuff in order for people to want to invest in you. So that's the power of having your own brand. And that's why I have Teacup on here tonight. And that's pretty much it for me. So if you don't have anything else, I'm just going to wrap it. All right. Thank you for having me, Kosh. I'm glad we got to chop it up. So keep up what you got going, man. And keep like being a resource to creatives. I'm trying. I'm doing my best because I believe that this creator economy is going to be like the biggest thing in the world soon. Yes, yes. And the teaching aspect of it is going to get even bigger too. So I feel like I'm in a, the right space, but now it's just about continuing to do the things over and over. So with that, thank you. I appreciate the support. Once again, this is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Kosh. We're trying to eliminate the starving artist completely. Watch it on all places, YouTube, all the podcasting platforms. It's everywhere. Bye. Bye. Later. Thanks. Later.